Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all and to sit with you all. It's a brand new day. We can release anything that feels pulling on us from even yesterday. We can release the future, even what we think needs to happen during this sit. And aim our attention just in the moment at hand. It's actually a much easier practice if we don't try to make the practice do something, but we just tend. Here's a breath, breath in, breath out. Here's a phrase, say it again. And maybe not try to say them so fast that they become a just rote activity, but see if you can actually, like a, if you had... If, holiday cards that you're writing, and you could write them over and over. If you just started writing the same thing, you'd probably, the sincerity might go down. But you can say, yeah, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live at ease. So it's a gentle, patient, one moment at a time. And it's helpful if you're not trying to get somewhere, either repeat a past experience, or take a strong pipe wrench to your current experience and try to make it do something. Just in the moment you're in, attempt, inspire, invite, patient, gentle sincerity. That's what we invite. You can't demand it, but you can at least invite, here's a phrase, here's another phrase. Here's another phrase. And what you'll see is, uh, throughout the day, really beyond our firm control, windows will open up where it's easy, it feels graceful, what a delight to have a simple task, caring for beings. And then, through no fault of your own, different energies pass through and you might find that it gets sleepy or suddenly there's a lot more energy and it's a little harder to direct your mind. So these hindrances come. The first thing to do is to see if you can stay steady. Just stay steady. Patient and steady. And that becomes a very powerful practice that no matter what's happening, You can keep changing what's happening. My heart has learned that it can be steady in loving kindness. Learning to be kind to yourself in more versions of yourself is a progression of loving kindness, not just getting higher peaks when you're feeling good and the peak might go into where it's very easy and think, oh, this is finally good practice. But an hour later, I don't want to send that to myself. I'm no longer in that good state. This is boring. I'm no good at it. Like, oh, periscope up. (laughs) I'm going to send meta to this person, the doubting one, the frustrated one, the one who's sleepy, the one who thought they understood it, but now doesn't. I'm baffled. Of the two, which needs more kindness? The one that's very successful and all things are working and make sense? Or the version of you that is tired or distracted or having some bubbling up resentment? The thing is, each one needs care. Each one needs a caring attitude. So that's the invitation today, is keep sending loving kindness to yourself If you are an easy being, or if you are a very difficult being to send loving kindness to, start with another way in. And another way in might be an image of yourself as a younger being. Most people don't have a lot of stored up judgment and criticism of who you were at four or five. So if you have an image, you can connect to that or whatever your easy being is that you discovered yesterday, 
through the interview process and trying out a few beings and say, yeah, I, whatever being for you now is easy. We'll stay with that. And then you can let circumstances change. And no matter what the changing circumstances are through the day, loving kindness is being invited into that. Loving kindness is being invited into self-connection. And loving kindness is being directed to this other being. This skill becomes so helpful to take this practice back into your life where you remove the, the conditions where you could or would access kindness. If you can access kindness through all the things that happen during the day, or at least intend to invite kindness, then when you go out into more complex situations, you've learned. And you've learned how, but also the importance, no matter what the condition. It's dangerous if kindness is not a part of the equation. I'm not seeing things clearly. I'm being swept up. So how could kindness be a part of this equation and this equation, this scenario and that scenario? And so everything you learn here as you go through a day uh, gives you that increased intuition that it's not just during our easy moments that we want to access love and kindness and gentleness, but we want to be able to do it all through the day, you know, through many versions of what happens for us as we change. And then see if we can still access uh, from wherever state our heart's in, we can still remember a being that we respect, that we're grateful for, that we have this warmth towards them or received warmth from them. And then in all those different combinations of the day, I can intend loving kindness. I can straighten the arrow of my heart that doesn't have so many snarls and bends in it. One thing to encourage is that the, the foreground of your practice will be images and phrases and maybe the invitation of this loving kindness. But sometimes in the background we lose perspective that the background should still feel like invited ease and invited relaxation and then welcoming attentiveness in that relaxation and if in the background we lose contact, we might find that we're drawn into not being at ease and being assertive and frustrated. So we're doing loving-kindness phrases, trying to be sincere, but we slipped into an attitude that's gotten frustrated and forceful. So every now and then I do a background check when I'm doing practice. Like, am I still basically relaxed? Or has tension come into my system unconsciously? Or am I so relaxed that now I'm quite adrift and it's been a while since I actually directed my attention? And it's like, oh yeah, I've gotten one side or the other. Let me see if I can get that balance again. Okay, ease and intention. Now let's re-engage with whatever the practice is. Learning how to be kind to yourself in this way, uh, making the approach of practice one of kindness, will really help all the other meditation forms that we do in this tradition. So it's helpful to find balance, and it's helpful to approach practice motivated by kindness. And then all we can do is invite and intend. We don't have the control to manifest metta, to make it happen. But like putting out bird seed, birds come. If you put out the invitation for loving kindness, loving kindness comes. So very patiently inviting a sincere relationship to the phrases, the supportive images, or just the felt sense of who you are in this moment. And that will be our practice through the day. Similar to what we did yesterday, but uh, the approach 
invited today is to be wholehearted, but very patient and resting as you do the practice in the present moment at hand and not make the practice try to get somewhere that you're not, but let the practice be in the present moment where you are. Last, the invitation and the practice for today. So again, finding a posture that is a kind posture for your body. You might just take a moment or two to invite an inner sense of ease or relaxation as much as can be invited. You might feel your breath within your body. With that permission to be at ease, you might just sit up by one little degree that we find that balance between ease and attentiveness. Now I invite you into your loving-kindness practice, however you're learning it works for you. The speed at which you say the phrases, the particular being that you're sending metta to, holding in loving-kindness, ways that you approach yourself as you currently are, or a recent sense of yourself, or younger sense of yourself. See if you can patiently and sincerely Repeat these phrases with at least the intention behind them to hold yourself or another being in kindness, friendliness, benevolence.
inviting a balance between ease and attentiveness. From where you are in the flowing, changing present, in each moment, could you invite sincere kindness that might be expressed as these four loving kindness phrases? you find that there is a light challenge, a little sleepiness, a little restlessness, a little doubt, some aversion or some craving for what you don't have. Be more intentional about this base of relaxation, adding attentiveness within that relaxation. Return to yourself or this easy being sincerely saying the phrases.
Again, checking in if you are inviting relaxation and ease. Resting in the simple present. Then within that ease, inviting attentiveness. Relaxed and upright. And then reapproaching the practice. One sincere phrase at a time. Maybe connected with your breathing. Maybe not. However, It makes sense for you to practice in these conditions. You can explore how to practice in a way that helps if you're sleepy, if you're restless, if your mind is preoccupied with a craving or an aversion. And if your mind has gotten entangled in doubt and evaluation, have faith, keep it simple. Be willing to start over again.
We have a chance to respond to a few of your questions about your practice, about either the theory and the instruction or how it's relating to your actual experience. I'd like to first give room for people who haven't had a chance to speak yet in the hall or people who are not in a uh, practice meeting today with a teacher. So just to make sure that uh, we spread out the uh, access to getting some feedback. But while you're contemplating what that may be, I have just a few announcements today. Um, so we noticed that uh, many people are enjoying the afternoon uh, yoga class, but the room has been small for the amount of people that want to come. So we've moved the 2.30 yoga class down the hill to the larger room of the community meditation hall. And so if you haven't been to that building yet, it's, it's very obvious when you go down to the, the building below the wooden gate, walk up, you can walk in the main doors and then all the way at the right side when you walk in is a hall much like this. It's maybe as big as this room. And there are supplies down there for yoga practice. There are mats and blocks and straps. You don't have to bring them down the hill. And there are cushions and chairs down there too. Um, you're allowed to bring water with you, but not actually into that room. So please uh, hydrate yourself before the class, but leave your water bottle, uh, if you bring one, where you'd leave your shoes and outside the main room. Christina, today, really? <laughs> yeah. My partner. Uh, <laughs> she'll be sitting in um, on two of the groups today, one with Bonnie and one with Vance. Uh, has anybody looked at the at their name on the schedule and find that it conflicts with uh, one of the bells that they ring this morning. Yeah, and so what bell do you ring? 12 to 12.30. And is it the main bell outside? Oh, it's up here, so it's a practice leader. Yeah, would somebody be willing to be the 12 o'clock practice leader? Yeah, great. Thank you so much. So any uh, questions or observations about your practice? Yeah, right here. <laughs> the question is if the hindrances ever subside or if they ever go away. She didn't put that emphasis on. But um, they do. And it's actually one reason that we teach the forms of meditation that are called concentration practices is they're actually a little better suited to uh, take away the ingredients that have the hindrances beset us so much. Uh, the concentration practices tend to be more soothing. And so the sleepiness, we tend to catch up on being overextended. And restlessness tends to settle so concentration practices like just concentrating on breathing or just concentrating on the Brahma Viharas tends to assuage the conditions where the hindrances come. That said, they are always waiting in the wings. And so even a very attentive practitioner, when, this is one thing the Buddha notices, that even going very deep into concentration, as soon as he left the formal practice, his mind became susceptible again. And so they do come. You have more perspective when they come. You're not as tortured when they come. Hindrances are actually a sign. Sometimes they're a sign of the progression of your practice. So if you <clears throat> keep sweeping a little area in your kitchen, that's where you don't see dust. But if you ever get under, it's like there's more dust, but you're also deeply cleaning where the food has been. So sometimes the hindrances and actually getting a wave of hindrances can be a sign that your mind is letting go on another level, is dropping in, or at least that you're courageously practicing even when hindrances come. And that type of resolve uh, 
does carry and develop the practice. And so then hindrances are, they do come less often. You have more perspective, but you don't keep praying that they won't come. You feel more resourced when they do come. And then I think, yeah, here. Mm. The question is how to combine the compassion practice with the loving kindness practice. And uh, one of the one way is that you can metta can be compassionate. So sometimes it's just a lightly flavoring the metta so that there is more of that warmth and loyalty. But <clears throat> if you're recognizing that the phrases don't really align with what you're trying to connect your heart with, and you find that the compassion phrases are uh, more helpful, then in that moment, you can practice compassion practice and say, wow, my body's really hurting right now, or this practice is hard, this is a hard afternoon, and I could use that to suffer, but I'm actually going to use that and put a hand on my heart and learn to breathe compassionately in times that I'm having personal difficulty or we can open it up and say, every time I think about the world, my heart collapses and I'm trying to be friendly to the world. But boy, it just makes more sense to kind of just resonate my heart with how difficult so much of the world is, uh, the pain that is in the world. And then you might find that you find your favorite compassion phrase, one that resonates with your heart. If you only wait to difficult times to practice compassion, you'll find that it's, uh, it, has, it takes a lot to catch up. And so it actually behooves us, gives us hooves for traction, <laughs> to practice compassion when we're a little more resourced so that we can actually be oriented to it and say, okay, this is mainly a loving kindness retreat. and I'm putting in a lot of time on that, but I know my heart cares for the world, cares for myself, my family, my community, and then the world as a whole. And I feel this intuitive permission God, it's, it's right here. I would love to do the compassion practice rather than clocking in and doing it dutifully. Sometimes the, the heart is right there and the compassion is very intuitive. And then you're, you're doing it at a time where you can explore that channel and how do you care for the world and not be agitated but not be withdrawn and so exploring compassion when it arises organically is great because then when you go to need it at a harder time, you remember that, that station uh, and it helps you dial it in at other times. So sometimes you can just bend the metta a little bit and it's compassionate. Sometimes you actually turn it into formal practice. Yeah, in the back. You speak up just a little bit. Yeah. So the question is, uh, sometimes he's noticed that if he, if he's practicing, the the form of phrases and images might fall away. But there's this momentum and there's this experience of metta, but it's not being directed. 
And is that an okay way to practice, or should you immediately, you didn't say this, but should you always be working with the phrases and images? It's again a little bit like pedaling a bike. Sometimes you have enough momentum that you can glide a bit. And then sometimes that is a very beautiful access to meta momentum is, oh, I'm just, it's kind of flowing right now. And I actually can feel the taste of metta, but it's not becoming part of a story on any particular being. It's just there's a spacious warmth and presence. And so that's fine to breathe with that. Some practices, some formal practices, are just trusting that. And they don't use the form of phrases and images. They just, we call it radiating loving kindness. One of the challenges, it's a, it's a, it can be a little bit like um, starting a fire with uh, dry twigs. The right phrases and the right image invites metta. And so if metta is not there, we can at least do these invitation practices. But once the fire starts crackling, you don't always have to feed it actively. Sometimes it rolls on its own. But you'll notice that it will sort of dissipate at some point. And then it's helpful to come back and actually do the more formal practice. Could you wear your mask during the question? Thank you. So uh, during complex times of the day, and complex is showering, (laughs) (laughs) I also found that images, like doing metta for a friend while I'm also efficiently showering, was really just way too many activities and I wasn't actually showering well or practicing well. So I found that actually simplifying it to just one phrase and maybe a phrase that matches the activity. So I might just say to myself, ease, 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 and make sure that I'm showering with ease or uh, kindness or friendliness. Just one word, keep it simple, and that keeps my mind sort of on track, but it leaves a little room where I can also be washing dishes, making choices, and if I get too swept up in that, I've completely lost track. So then I might say, okay, I'm in the I'm organized enough to do these dishes. And so I'm going to do them with the spirit of ease. I'm going to do them, if, if I were doing the dishes and I was a friend to myself, how would I approach them? Like, I'll slow down, don't be so pressured, don't be so worried about doing it right or wrong, love each dish, uh, appreciate each dish. So there's presence. And then there's the uh, attitude of warmth. And then just a simple pointer so that the mind doesn't go completely off-leash and get uh, distracted can be helpful. But you'd probably want to find for yourself what word or phrase helps keep a little orientation so you can do a more complex task. Um, you might get to a point later on in the retreat where you have enough momentum that you shock yourself that you can actually do complicated tasks, do them well, and also have space left over to keep the formal practice going. But um, some just having one thing to do when you're doing something more complex rather than doing two complex things at a time. Just speak up just a little bit, thanks. Yeah.
That's a great uh, question. Um, all good questions. Um, so her question was, how do you practice without it being oriented to the future or having a goal in mind, but still when there's a hindrance there, maybe work to let go of the hindrance or overcome the hindrance. And there's a lot you can taste in there. Um, over time, we'll realize that it's actually stressful to be working towards a goal. And it ends up betraying our connection to the present. But when the hindrances come and when you want to make an adjustment in your practice, that can be a great choice and a great insight. Like, I'm sleepy, let me try something different. The importance there is it's very helpful if you can meet the present moment as it is. There's this hindrance. There's this anger. Okay, I'm breathing with it. And I could make an adjustment. And then you're inviting an adjustment, but you're not wrestling for the adjustment or rejecting the present. And so if your choice is in the flow of the present, wisdom can come in and offer some guidance. And we can actually do a lot of that guidance if our motivation is clear. So I'm in the present moment, want to go all the way down to lunch. Should I just let that go because it's not about the present? It's like, no, it's actually time to go. But now I'm going to go in the present moment, lightly guided by this direction. So there is sleepiness. I'm going to breathe with it, not fight it. I'm going to still do my loving kindness practice. Okay, it's gotten stronger. Let me try something else. So there are intuitive goals, but there's not aiming for that goal that rejects the present moment or stresses the present moment or finds the present moment wrong. The present moment is like weather. It's never wrong. It's just that's what it is. But there is room for guidance. And then knowing how to do that with slightly pure motivation helps us from creating knots in our practice. So then you can direct your practice without it creating a, a struggle or a rejection of the present. Thanks for all your questions. Um, just want to talk a moment about walking practice. It's a good half of the day. And either you have stillness practices or there's walking, and showering might be considered complex walking in that your body's moving and you do have to be aware of your surroundings and make some choices but you want to see if you can find some uh, pose and some perspective in uh, an activity where you're actually moving. And it won't be like sitting. You can never manifest in walking what you can in sitting, but it's another expression. It's another version of you. Can I be kind while I walk? Can I be kind when I do my work tasks? Can I be kind while I eat? And walking is that bridge where it's not as simple as sitting, but we want to still be oriented, kindness towards ourselves in this moment while I take these steps, kindness towards this easy being. And then look at the way you're practicing and is it supportive? Sometimes walking slow, people love it and they feel loving kindness when they do that. And sometimes Walking slow is to, uh, to sleep making. So walking a little more briskly is helpful. So walk in the way that supports your presence and access to loving kindness. Yeah, and so if you're meeting with me, you walk down past the wooden gate, turn right down the little driveway, and it's what we call the meadow. If you're meeting with Anushka, you walk down to the community meditation hall on the front, and you'll see Anushka on the patio of the front. Bonnie is behind the building, and there's a path that you can take on the left that will lead you to the back side of the building. Right by the guy who's you'll see a path that walks to the back side. 
Um, and then uh, Sally is behind the manager's office, what we call the council house. And Vance is in room one just by the bathrooms here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.